Hello and welcome to another edition of Off the Pit Wall, an American F1 podcast. My name's Dan Zaleski and join with me as always, Hunter Conley, uh, who is uh, calling in from his hotel room. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm an adult now. This is this is very strange. Yes, uh, you're relocating for the new job that you just got. Congratulations again. I think we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank, but, you, thank you. But they're like, yeah, we need you here now. <laughs> so we'll put you up in a hotel for two weeks while you figure out your apartment situation. Yeah, I still got to find one of those. That's a bit of a, a bit of a struggle, but, but we're fine. We'll find one. Yeah. So uh, for the time being, uh, you're literally calling in from a hotel room, hotel room, Wi-Fi. Uh, you're on your phone. It is a hell of an experience on your end. But uh, what is also a hell of an experience is this new world of Formula One in 2022. How about that first race? Yeah, first race, we got we got uh, Orange is the new Haas. I mean, this is it's this is quite the season starting. Yeah, I mean, we have to remember that we are at uh, we're at a point where the regulations are all new. And teams are going to be rapidly improving as the season goes along, whether it's because their own testing works out or because they see what is working on other cars and they start to imitate that because obviously that's a huge thing as well. But at the end of the day, it's the kickoff of the 2022 season. The defending uh, champion Max Verstappen has had uh, a lot of issues <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, to say the, yeah, to say the least. He has, he has dealt with a lot this weekend. Yeah, um, a real heartbreaker for Red Bull fans out there. Uh, a little bit of a, a scary heartbreaker for Pierre Gasly fans out there because uh, I'm, I'm going to say the only other time I've seen a car uh, catch fire like that is when Roman Grosjean hit the wall, ironically, at the same part of the same track <laughs> that Pierre Gasly's car kind of blew up at. Um, but, yeah, unfortunate for him. He, he was the only official retirement since uh, Sergio and Max, uh, their cars died so late into the race. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't a very good day for uh, Red Bull powered cars. No, uh, Yuki was the only one to even finish the race. But now apparently uh, the problem, at least with Max's car, I'm not totally sure with Sergio's, but for sure Max's car, it was the fuel pump fuel, uh, the fuel pump um, given to the team by the FIA. So Max's problem was not Red Bull related at all. I believe Sergio was the same exact reasoning. So neither uh, main Red Bull team cars died for their own fault. Uh, it was simply they somehow got faulty parts from the FIA. Um, and then Pierre's car, I mean, it just completely shut off. It, it, so I have no clue what happened with that one. But yeah, not looking good for the defending champion uh, engine that is now being produced by Red Bull. It was the first. Um, it was their first race as a manufacturer themselves, even though it's still the Honda engine. It's technically now the Red Bull engine and first race did not go well at all. Yeah. And a little bit more insight from what I've seen first up uh, with Pierre Gasly's issue. It appears that there was some type of issue with the MGUK, uh, either that or the MGUH. Either way, it was one of the electronic systems within the engine that harvests energy and gives it back in terms of ERS. Um, that could be battery deployed on these cars. You you hear that talked about uh, a little bit during commentary and all that. Um, and then for the Sergio and Max thing, I did hear the same thing uh, about how it is a part that they got from the FIA. Although I've also heard that it's also a little bit of Red Bull's fault, anyways. Well, I'm sure there's they can't. I'm sure all the blame can't solely go on the FIA, right? But, well, um, it, it's still it's still I don't believe 100 percent their fault. No, no, it's not 100% their fault, but the other factor playing into this is that we are using new uh, new fuel this year. We're using E10 fuel, 
which is something that every engine manufacturer has to take into account because that is, you know, a different fuel type, how it reacts with your engine, how it runs with your engine, um, what type of wear it gives on your engine. And all of this is just in an effort to be more uh, environmentally friendly, of course, which is something that, you know, Formula One should be doing. And um, apparently Red Bull uh, is the only team of all 10 teams that during preseason testing did not do like any type of extensive low fuel running. So all of the problems and hiccups that would come up with when the E10 fuel is really low in the car, which is what has appeared to have caused this problem in, in partnership with that part you were talking about the fuel pump, whatever. Yes. Uh, apparently like some of these other factors were happening to other teams cars and they went okay now we understand that when we're on low fuel we have to do this or we have to do that or we have to change this to anticipate that red bull did not know about any of this so their first time experiencing it was was on the track yeah so because i mean obviously they it it was almost as if uh checo's engine just locked up because it ran out of fuel so uh that actually would make perfect sense then if if they simply didn't understand the way the fuel will be burning or how the fumes and whatnot, the vapors will be reacting and everything when it's that low. So it actually makes perfect sense because we know these teams weigh out the fuel to make it so they can only maybe do one extra lap of, of hard racing. You know what I mean? They, they, they get them as light as they possibly can at the very end. So that actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. So that was another factor that I saw play into it. So uh, Red Bull, not the greatest start, but another another engine manufacturer at the very least that didn't have the greatest start either. Let's uh, talk about the Mercedes and the Mercedes powered teams, for example. Now, obviously, the Mercedes works team, they're having an issue with the porpoising, and that's really what kind of affected them at Bahrain. As you could see, if you look at some of the individual sectors and timing. They were perfectly fine. They were just as fast as the Ferraris and the Red Bulls in sector two, which is the sector that's slower, more windy, um, you know, lower speed uh, corners and all that good stuff. And then when they hit sectors three and sectors one, which are basically three straightaways and the little chicane thing at at the beginning of the lap in turns one, two and three, they were losing massive time. And that's because of their porpoising issue. And uh, on top of that, you have all of the other Mercedes customer teams. You have yeah. McLaren, Aston Martin, Williams. Literally, of the teams who crossed the checkered flag, they were the bottom six. Yeah, in, in qualifying alone, uh, 13th back, except for Yuki in 16th, and uh, Joe Guan Yu in 15th was all Mercedes-powered cars. Uh, so it, that's just not a great look for them as an engine, manu- engine manufacturer. And obviously, the team still need to come up with aero and car setup, but Power-wise, still, that doesn't look great. Yeah, and I know there are some data showing that, like, in certain elements or in certain parts of the Bahrain track, Williams was just as good as the rest of the midfield, essentially. Um, You know, you could say that McLaren didn't get a whole lot of testing time because Ricardo had COVID, um, you know, and Norris had limited uh, practice because of the brake issues. And then you could also say that, you know, for Aston Martin... Uh, I mean, you had an okay day for Lance Stroll. He he improved massively during the race after a poor qualifying. And, you know, for Hulkenberg, it's his first time in the car. You know, you could say Vettel being out on COVID is part of the issue. Um, So across the board, there's kind of excuses here a little bit for each team, Uh, you know, but obviously not a great start. And then on the flip side, all the Ferrari powered cars, just chef's kiss, just absolute Beautiful. chef's kiss. Uh, yes. One, one, two for Ferrari. And then you got uh, Ferrari Power in fifth, sixth, um, 
11th and oh joe in 10th my bad <laughs> i was i was going through i'm just i i, 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 I the the people are still new to me i gotta get them in my brains it's it's hard for me to be like okay wait where's alpha it's like oh it's botas and and uh you know guang yu joe it's it's it hasn't drilled into my brain quite yet. But either way, they did phenomenal. All of their drivers, except for Mick, scored in the points. And Mick literally, like, 360 no-scoped during the race. If Mick, if Mick didn't get taken out on the first lap, then, I mean, obviously he saved it and, and didn't lose too many spots. But I, I truly believe if he didn't get taken out on the first lap, he would have 100% scored points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, there's obviously a lot about each individual team that we got to talk about and discuss. So we're going to do what we have done in seasons past, and that's going to be giving a grade to each and every team. Now, for those of you who haven't joined us before for the grading of a race, it's really simple. Uh, we use the American letter grade system. So uh, a C is average, and this is based on expectations. So if the expectations going into this was that Ferrari is going to get a 1-2, they got a 1-2, that's a C. So C would be your, your average grade. B would be above average. A would be spectacular uh, in terms of above expectations. Uh, D would be below expectations. F would be utter failure, just terrible weekend all in all. Um, and that's kind of how we grade things throughout the course of the season. It's also fun because at the end, that means we get to go back and kind of see, you know, which biases we had as uh, as two fans of the sport who are also, of course, talking about it. Um, and Hunter, you remember how we grade these teams, like what order we grade them in, correct? Yes. Do you want to share with the share with the, the audience? Yeah, we're going to go uh, from first to last in the constructor standings, which is going to be kind of a shock because for probably the first and hopefully last time ever, Red Bull will be last. Yes, and also for the first time ever, we are starting with Ferrari. Hunter, talk me through what your thoughts are about Ferrari. They got a 1-2. Charles got the fastest lap. He also put it on pole in qualifying. Uh, what, you know, obviously talk me through some of your expectations coming into this race and then how the uh, performance relates to your expectation. I do know that you and I both had them, you know, finishing the season first in the constructors for our preseason predictions. So how how wild of a victory was this for Ferrari? Well, I'm going to base all of my um, grades for this, at least first race and, and the first couple races based solely off of preseason testing, right? Um Obviously, we don't have a whole lot of data, but we at least have some. So with that being said, I'm going to give Ferrari a, a C for this. I fully expected them to finish, to at least win the race. Um, the 1-2, I'll give them a C plus because I didn't know if necessarily if that would really happen. But I knew they had a dominant-looking car. It seemed that they didn't really have much pur purposing of any kind. Um, and, I, and I knew the, driving the driver pairing of Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, based solely off of last year, was the literal was the literal most consistent pairing on the grid? Uh, were they the best? Not necessarily, but they were the one hundred percent most consistent as a team. So because of that, I'm giving Ferrari a C plus for this first week. Even though they they won everything, they did everything they possibly could this weekend. I, I still want to. I'm going to try this year to to really stick to the whole the whole what I expect them to do is going to be a C. So. I, there's not for me. I'm going to try my best not to be giving out a lot of A's and 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 B's will be a more common probably than C's. But I, I'm going to hold out A's this year for for more rarities. But so Ferrari's getting a C plus from me for this first week. Yeah, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm giving them a B minus. 
I think it's because it's 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 hard to uh, grade it a little bit because of the Red Bull issue. Um, I mean, Max was in there fighting for first, like I thought would happen. Um, I thought Lewis might be able to get more involved, but obviously that porpoising issue is really holding back Mercedes. Um, in the end, I think they get a B minus. I was not expecting. I mean, th- they were looking amazing in preseason testing, no lie there, but. I wasn't expecting like the absolute domination out the gate like this. Um, I mean, they they did all they could do. They quite literally scored 44 points, which is the most you can score in a weekend in Formula One when there isn't a sprint race. So based off of that, uh, you know, that's above average for me. I thought they were going to be very good, Hunter, but I was not expecting an immediate one, two at the gate. Uh, I was expecting maybe a one, three, you know, maybe, you know, a double podium of some kind in some combination. Uh, so I'm going to give them a B minus still a good grade. Ferrari still did a good job this weekend um, and very solid for them. So yeah, based on expectations of them doing well, B minus. Uh, and I'm going to say something again real quick. It might shock you. I'm actually based off the way these cars race so far, obviously only been one race. I'm actually looking forward to one of these dumb sprint races. Yeah, because they're able to follow so closely. Because they're actually able to race. There, so it might, the sprint race might actually be fun to watch this year. Yeah, I mean, there was there was like what that that three four laps when Charles and Max were literally going back and forth and back and forth. Yes. So if we can get that again during a sprint race, that would be amazing. But we'll have to see. That was obviously different power strategies and outlaps and whatnot. But yeah. Um, but the next, the next team, Dan, about mm. where they should be, right? Mercedes. Yeah. They're in second. Now, we're saying that based off last year. Going into this weekend, this is not where they should have been. This is not where I thought Mercedes would have been uh, when we talked about them when we reviewed them. Well, uh, and- George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, they did, I thought they did a great job. I mean, they were where I put them. I I said at the beginning of the season, I think Mercedes is going to get second ahead of Red Bull. Um, no. I, 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 listen. That's just the way it is. And, you know, Lewis Hamilton, obviously, uh, to steal a, a term from uh, Tomo, he's different gravy. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> he's 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 got the stuff, man. Um, I mean, you know, I, I wasn't too surprised by this. George, like, didn't qualify well, but he definitely stepped it up and everything. I think based on my expectations here, I think I, it's difficult because the expectations are mired in a little bit of the are they sandbagging or are they actually bad this season? Uh, um, yeah. But uh, I think that the performance that they put in getting third and fourth, um, you know, their, their qualifying wasn't the great, wasn't great, but them getting third and fourth, I think, made up for it majorly. I think I'm going to give them a B based on expectations at all. Okay. Um, I did not expect this from them. I thought based off of the porpoising issues, uh, based off the fact that they were very slow on on qualifying pace alone, let alone race pace. Um, just to put it into, into perspective, there was only, oh, I forget how many laps now, how many laps like, of like a shootout was at the very end. But um, it wasn't very many. I think it was maybe 10 laps, maybe nine. Yeah, maybe and like Lewis, eight, yeah. Yeah. And Lewis finished third, obviously, but he, he finished nine and a half seconds behind Charles and four seconds behind Carlos. So the car clearly still isn't there. Obviously, like we're saying, though, they're dealing with those porpoising issues. But I'm just saying I have no doubt that in a few races, Mercedes, because they are Mercedes, will figure it out. They're, they're going to get it figured out. They're going to be up there. We know their engine should be fast enough. Um, so I, I don't doubt in the future that they'll be there. But for this weekend, I was not expecting this at all. 
I'm going to give them a B plus. Like I said, um, I'm trying to stay away from A's. A B plus is pretty high, but because personally, I did not expect them to get a 3-4. Now, obviously, there were some race issues, but it's a race, so you never know what's going to happen. 3-4 is phenomenal for them based off what I thought the weekend was looking like for them, giving them a B plus. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the interesting things that has come out after this race is a lot of people comparing the Mercedes car to the Ferrari car and the fact that Mercedes went for the, like, no side pod design while Ferrari fully embraced and basically made two boats out of the the side pod on either side of their car. And what's really interesting about that is that someone asked... um, uh, Mattia Bonato, the, uh, the 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 um, team principal over at Ferrari, you know what he thought about the the no side pod design that Mercedes has brought to the table, and he said, "Oh yeah, we tried something like that. We thought it sucked." <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe there's going to be some drastic differences from the Mercedes car in the aero design going into some of these races. You know, it's very easily. Uh, it's very easy for me to see a lot of teams that went for narrow side pod designs that are failing, completely bringing in a brand new looking package, uh, you know, by, you know, a third of the way through the season, mid season. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Like yeah. I, I fully expect this car by the end of the season, I fully expect the entire field to have a much more unified car um, by the end of the season. I also expect the car to look drastically different than it did in the beginning because obviously it's a brand new era. It's a brand new car by the end of this season, the end of the 23 races. I think it's going to be even hard to compare the two cars. It'll be fun to compare them. I'm saying side by side, they'll be two completely different cars. Yeah. Now Hunter onto third place in the constructor standings at this present moment. What? I wish you could see the smile on my face. <laughs> I listen, dude. I can I can hear the joy in your voice. How do you grade Haas's performance this weekend? <laughs> I know. I see. I'm gonna. I don't care that it's gonna sound by to a plus. I mean, absolute worst on the grid all last season. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't say a plus because they did look like they'd actually be fast, and we said that they would probably finish around fifth, maybe in the constructors. Listen, I'm just um, saying you not even three minutes ago said I'm trying to give out less A's. I know, I know, I know, I know, but I just cannot believe it. I literally cannot based off last year, based on the past few years. I cannot believe that this team looks so well through every practice, through every, uh, through every testing, through, through qualifying. Uh, it, it was honestly jaw dropping. It was amazing to see. Uh, I'm really happy for the team, but I A plus is the fan vote, right? That's I'm not going to go with that. Don't worry. Um, that's just the guttural reaction. Uh, realistically, though, I, I was expecting the team to do well. I was expecting them to score points. Um, I was honestly expecting them to 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 both score points. So because they both didn't, but Kevin got uh, fifth. Fifth is still really good. And he, he went up from where he qualified. I'm going to go with a C plus. I think the team did better than eh, B minus. We'll do B minus. They did better than what they probably were hoping for. Uh, they out they out qualified themselves. They they finished higher than where they qualified. I'll go with the B minus. Yeah, I mean Hunter, I was also aboard the the Haas hype train a little bit. You know, I projected them to be fifth in the constructors. And of of course the first race doesn't say everything, you know, things are going to change, especially in the first season of this new, of these new regulations. Um, but I, I'm going to be honest. I thought that like they would be a team that would 
maybe mess around with the Alpines, maybe, you know, be be kind of what Alpine or Alpha Tauri was last year, you know, somewhere in the eighth, ninth, tenth, maybe just outside the points. Um the the fact that Kevin Magnuson got fit. My God, man. And and I mean and you and you let's say the both Red Bulls finished anyways. He still got seventh. That's still amazing. Yeah, I mean you know what I'm saying? Like you, you yeah. gotta you gotta be there to take advantage of, of when when things like that do happen. But regardless, he was scoring points the whole time. It was an amazing race for the Haas team. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I I fully agree. I'm gonna give them an A minus. I think it's deserving of of them by far surpassing expectations because you know there was some doubt still because you know the fastest lap that Kevin ran. You know the the it was later in the day. The track was cooler. You know everyone else got to rubber the track in a bit. You know there was some like you had no idea what engine modes they were running. You had no idea like you know what type of fuel they were running. There were a lot of doubts about Hostel because, you know, like you said, Hunter, they were the bottom of the barrel. And man, did they take did they take a bunch of Russian cash and a bunch of Aldi photo shoot, you know, sponsorship money and sprinkle a little Gunter Steiner pixie dust on it and blow it off the top of a mountain from Drive to Survive and just absolutely exceed expectations even from some of the more optimistic people right out the gate. Uh, I think that this is incredible because, I mean, obviously Red Bull's got to get its stuff together and then Red Bull probably will get its stuff together. But I, I don't think it's crazy to say that, like, if they're going to be regularly fighting with Alfa Romeo and Alpine and with the way the rest of the field is looking, this could be fourth place Haas. This it could be fourth place Haas. And I will say, obviously, it was only for a moment. It was only for a few laps. Uh and obviously, Kevin hasn't been in a car for a while. He said his neck was sore. So I'm, I'm giving him all the benefits of the doubts. Or Yeah. But if he didn't lock up those tires a few times battling with Lewis and then George, I think he could have at least fought with them longer. I'm not saying he would have held them off, but I'm saying he could have at least fought with them longer. He made a few little mistakes. But the Haas, at least in this first race, was quick enough to be fighting with the Mercedes. That's That's wild. That is absolutely wild. Um, speaking of Wild Hunter, let's talk about the other wild team that came out of nowhere. Yes. Alfa Romeo is fourth in the Constructors Champions uh, Championship right now. They had a finish of sixth and tenth, including yep. point, including a point, I should say, on the debut of uh, Guang Yu Zhou. Jeez, uh, man. Alfa Romeo has also completely defied my expectations. Because, Hunter, we both had them as last, last in the championship. Yeah. And they, yeah. I mean, like, there were, like, a couple of good flashy laps out of Valtteri, but they weren't looking anything super special in preseason. Oh, my God, was I wrong no. on this one. Yeah, we were terribly wrong on this. Uh, Valtteri out-qualifies George. Uh, <laughs> he out-qualifies the TV left to go for essentially a feeder team at this point. You know what I mean? Phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Goes out there, finishes six in the race. Um, Joe gets 10th double points finish for Alfa Romeo, just mind boggling. I got to give him an A, just a flat A. I, I, it's, we said they were going to be last. We said they're going to be dead last and they're out here fourth place. And I know it's only the first race, but phenomenal. Looks like they might have a shot to, to be battling for fifth in the constructors. Yeah. I'm also going to give them a flat A completely defied expectations, uh, just, just incredible job by both Botas and, uh, and Joe. And like, I mean, Joe suffered from a lot of, uh, issues that many 
well-sponsored drivers do when they enter Formula One. You know, talking about Nicholas Latifi, Nikita Mazepin, um, you know, uh, to a lesser extent, Sergio Perez. Is that some drivers come with a lot of cash and a lot of sponsorships, and that's why they have the seat. Um, now, for some people like Sergio, Sergio has proven that, you know, he also has the skill to go with that that backing. Um, you know, whereas Nicholas and and uh, Nikita, not not quite. Uh, but Guan Yu Zhou has quickly yeah. established that he's at least worth something. He he showed us that now. Obviously, this is his very first race. Uh, Yuki scored points in his first race last year, and then the rest of the season was hit or miss. So we'll see. But after this first race, he's definitely shown that he looks like he actually should have a seat in today's F one. It looks like he should have a seat. Yeah, and obviously, like you said, we'll see how it develops over the course of the season. Uh, up next is Alpine. Alpine, another double points finish uh, for them as they take home seventh and ninth place uh, with Esteban Ocon leading the two of them. Um, I mean, honestly, kind of uh, Alpine seems to be in the exact same spot that they were last year. They They seem to be a consistent midfield team, which is... Not good for El Plan, and probably not good for the future of uh, Alonso in this sport. But you know, uh, honestly, they kind of. They, I, I think for me, they got spot on with expectations. I think I'm going to give them a flat C. They they did a they did okay. I'll give them a C plus because they got a benefit from the the Red Bull shuffle. Yes. Um, so yeah, they get a C plus. Uh, I think I'm worthy on the on the flat C. They they finished. I didn't expect them to not be scoring points, and I didn't expect them to be scoring high points. So they did exactly what I kind of thought they would do based off preseason testing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give them a C. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't think there's much else to talk about here. Alcon got tangled a little bit with uh, Mick Schumacher during the uh, the course of the race. Although there is some really nice footage of Alcon chasing after Schumacher to apologize after the race. Which oh, is, that's good. Which is very nice. Uh, it's very funny because Alcon is... A taller individual. He's like one of the tallest guys on the track. He's like six, like six four, six five. I want to say. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Like something. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page right now. I don't care how many wins he has. Tell me his height. Tell me his height. Where where do I where do I get to see his height? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. I, I don't care what his parents did. Esteban Ocon height. This is this is why we do that. He is. I apologize. I was a little bit off. Uh, he is six one, but it's still incredibly tall compared to everybody else. Um, because he is currently the only driver above six feet. Uh, he is, he is six one. George Russell and Nicholas Latifi are both six foot. Everyone else is under six feet, which makes sense because you're driving a race car. So you want to be. Yeah, most, most race car drivers are small. Yeah. yeah. Like Lewis Hamilton is five eight. Uh, Max is five eleven. Uh, you know. Fernando Alonso's 5'6". Yuki, I think, is 5'2", or something. Yeah, y- Yuki, of, of course, is comically 5'2". Either way, getting back to this, since he's, like, taller than everyone else, and, like, obviously he was a bit tired from, like, the racing and all that, because that's still a strain on you and everything. Uh, him chasing after Mick, he just kind of looks like a kid running at the playground, like his arms are kind of flapping about a little <laughs> bit. Like, it was yeah. it was kind of comical to see, because despite the fact that Esteban Alcon is, you know, not, like, the most spring chicken of spring chicken, in fact, he's you know, only a few months older than me. Um, he, he just gives off so much kid vibes to me. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know yeah, why. He does, yeah. He, yeah. He's very, very young at heart. It seems. Yeah. He's apparently very young at heart. And, uh, he's also, uh, a, a good guy who apologized to, uh, Mick for spinning him, you know, obviously had a little bit of a penalty for it, but still finished the race seventh. 
Fernando Alonso ninth, not bad. I don't think Fernando Alonso is going to be able to uh, will this Alpine team to win another championship, which is the whole reason he unretired. So we'll have to talk about that later in the season when we're looking at uh, drivers bouncing around because there's a lot of contracts up at the end of this year that need to be resolved. Um, but we'll get to that discussion at a later date. Uh, for now, yeah, like like we both talked about, average performance for Alpine, it's honestly pretty on par for what they did last year. And uh, we can probably expect a little bit of the same. Moving on to Alpha Tauri, obviously, we talked about it already. Pierre Gasly did not make the finish line. Uh, instead, his car burst into flames. But for the second year in a row, Yuki Tsunoda does come home with points in Bahrain. What were your expectations for Alpha Tauri coming into this race? And how did those expectations compare to the actual performance on Track Hunter? So they're technically in sixth in the constructors. Uh, they have four total points. I was expecting them to be the farthest back is fifth. So a little disappointed. Um, definitely very disappointed for Pierre having his car literally light on fire. Um, but good job for Yuki for getting some points for the team. Uh, also good job to Yuki for being the only Red Bull powered uh, car to finish the race. But uh, with that said, going into it, um, they they performed under what I was expecting. Uh, so I'm going to give them a C-. It wasn't horrible because it wasn't Pierre's fault. Um, still the team's potential fault i I don't really we got to find out more i guess but um yuki did a nice enough job to recover give them some points uh so i'm gonna give them a c minus yeah and i'm in the same boat as you um c minus feels right you know this um this team feels like they are probably going to be in a similar position as alpine you know alpine and and alpha tower are just continuing the fight for fifth that they started last season uh at least that's what appears like uh right off the cuff and, you know, um, obviously that's going to be a little bit spicy because Alfa Romeo and Haas are, are going to be involved more and, and possibly ahead of them. So maybe not exactly fifth place. But at the end of the day, I think uh, Yuki did Yuki exceeded my expectations. But um, Pierre obviously did not uh, exceed my expectations when it comes to, you know, him actually finishing the race. You know, another good qualifying couldn't convert into an our race win. Honestly, that's kind of what we should be expecting out of Pierre Gasly nowadays. I hate to say it, but that's kind of become the trend. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm going to agree with the C minus, though. Uh, okay. So slightly, slightly below average or slightly below expectation for Alpha Tauri this weekend. Uh, and then we get into the absolute crap fest that was the Mercedes power at the back end. Uh, the, yeah. high, the highest of all of them is because of Lance Stroll's 12th place, uh, which is Aston Martin. What do you think about Aston Martin's performance compared to their expectations? To be fair, Hunter, I didn't have very high expectations for Aston Martin coming into this anyways. Yeah, mine were about bang on for uh, both this team and the next team. We'll talk about Williams. Um, so Aston Martin's, for me, it, it, they're getting a C. They didn't do worse than I thought they would, and they definitely do better than I thought they would. So. I'm giving them a C. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I mean, tough luck that Sebastian Vettel couldn't be there. Nice to see Nico Hulkenberg back on the grid, though. Um, however, he did uh, come in last of all the people who finished the entire race. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's kind of an awkward situation for Aston Martin. Um, they definitely need to improve how much of it is the engine and how much of it is just them having a terrible aero package. That's, I think, left to be determined. I don't think we're going to have an answer to some of these some of these questions about is it Mercedes power or is it the aero packages um, for the three teams we're going to be talking about here. Uh, I I think we'll have a better idea halfway through the season and also have a better idea when we see how Mercedes 
um, kind of evolves throughout the course of the first half of the season as well. But in the short term, Aston Martin did about what I was expecting. Um, I think 12th for Lance Stroll was great considering his poor qualifying. Uh, I didn't think they would get in the points. So a C seems about on par based on what the expectations were for that. Uh, now, Hunter, you said it was kind of similar for the Williams, correct? Yeah, um, going into the weekend, I had, well, honestly, going into the weekend, I had a bit higher hopes personally uh, than than where they finished. I was honestly thinking, you know, Williams might have a point scoring car this year. Um, I don't really know what went wrong during the race compared to preseason. It looked like they might have a point scoring car. So I'm going to chalk this one up as, as maybe a fluke. Uh, realistically, though, it looks like it might be the, 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 the tail of the tape for the year. But um, So I'm going to give them a C- just simply because they, they still finished pretty much where you expect the Williams to finish nowadays. But uh, I went into this race thinking that they would might actually score a point. So I'm going to give them a C-. Yeah, I had different expectations for Williams coming into this compared to you. Um, I know you definitely thought Williams could be a solid midfield team. I definitely thought they would be back markers. And for that, I'm actually going to give them a C plus because compared to my expectations, you know, Alexander Albon did do better than I thought he would in this car. Um, you know, 13th is is very solid, very respectable. Um, you know, that's obviously benefited a lot from the Red Bull uh, powertrain issue, but you know, he placed higher than a couple of McLarens that we'll get to. Uh, he handedly beat his teammate. He beat Ast- He beat one Aston Martin driver, um, which I think is probably their closest competition for the season. Um, so I, I can't complain about it too much. I'm going to, I mean, you know, and also Albon got into Q2. I'm going to give them a C plus slightly above uh, expectations. Um, mine being <laughs> a bit more pessimistic compared to yours. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. And that obviously then brings us to the final Mercedes customer team. McLaren. Oh, my God. I don't want to talk about this, bud. I don't. Orange Orange is the new Haas. Uh, McLaren going into this race, expectations were not. Like, they were not high. They were not anything abnormal. Um, went into this race going, hey, they didn't get a whole lot of preseason testing. One of the drivers literally didn't even get the test. But it's McLaren. They should, at the very least, be right outside the points if they're not scoring points. I was shocked when I looked at my screen and saw Daniel Ricciardo didn't make it out of Q1. Uh, Lando Norris doesn't make it out of Q2. They they both just really fall to the back of the pack. Uh, they're running around in the back doing horrible um, we're now in an era because I guess I would assume maybe next year, once they have more tire data and they know the car should work and everything, they might go back to the, you have to start on your qualifying tire if you're in the top 10. But for right now, a whole grid gets to pick their tire and they chose the medium tire. Um, so strategy wise, bad car itself looked bad. Um, the drivers, we know the drivers can drive, but this car just, was not at all what I expected it to be. Even though we didn't get to see much of preseason testing, I assumed, like like a dingus, that because it was McLaren, they would at the very least be able to score some points. They're getting a D, a flat D, maybe even a D minus, but I did not expect it to be this bad. I knew it wasn't going to be phenomenal. I knew they weren't coming out with a championship winning card in week one, but it was much, much worse than what I thought it would be. Yeah, Hunter, call it fandom delusion. Uh, but I thought that this car, at the very least, you know, despite some of the issues in preseason testing, would still be a car that 
at the very least would be on the top half of the midfield. Oh, wow. You know, like, I mean, like, like, let's be honest here. Like this car. Yeah, I know. I know. Cause it is McLaren. Yeah. I this just, is a, this is a team that's consistently made incremental progress forward for the past. How many seasons, you know, uh, sure. They fell back one spot from 2020 to 2021 because Ferrari, uh, got back into an actual form that Ferrari is supposed to be in. Uh, but this is a team that's been incrementally making steps forward. They have it, they they picked up an experienced driver in uh, Daniel Ricardo. They signed Lando Norris for a long term deal. They're getting a plan together. They're making steps forward. They win a race last season. Yes, we're in new regulations, but still, like you're building towards something. And like even with the problems in preseason testing, I thought that this was a team that you know would be able to at the very least fix things and be competitive. And like, I thought like they would have their brake issue figured out and everything, which I guess they seem to have, but like it's caused other issues for the car. Apparently there is no reason why this team should be running most of this race in last or next to last, or like, you know, sandwiching a Williams in last, like it's just absolutely utterly ridiculous. I am by far disappointed. I mean, like at the, (sighs) It's an F. It is an F compared to expectations that I had coming into this. It is an F. You know, I thought. Yeah, your your expectations are much higher than mine. That's why I kept mine as a D because I was still I'm just as upset as you are. But I I didn't expect as much as you did. Um, But regardless, this was still a horrible, horrible showing. Yeah, absolute, absolute garbage showing. Um, We'll have to see if it gets better. We're, we're going to have to because right now they're basically last in the constructors uh, because the last team we have to talk about, Red Bull, doesn't deserve to be here. Um, but Red <laughs> Bull did get a double DNF uh, due to uh, what appears to be a fuel related fuel pump related issue. Yeah, um, you gave McLaren an F. I'm giving Red Bull an F. Uh, I know it's at the end of the day, depending on whether it was a faulty pump or whether it was just simply when the fuel gets that low, the pump um, can't because of this, this fuel is a different uh, mixture. It, it reacts differently than what you might think. So if they truly didn't do any testing to see at that low fuel level to see in race conditions to see what would happen. And it is really their fault. And it's not simply like the pump went bad or something. Um, this is an F on Red Bull. Uh, it wasn't going to be an F. It looked like it was going to be a, a C or a C plus maybe. Um, but this is an F from Red Bull strictly because neither car finished the race. They were in a phenomenal position. And now, depending on how consistent Charles and, and Sergio can, can be again, or not Sergio, sorry. Um, Carlos. Carlos. Assu- assuming Carlos and, and Charles are going to be as consistent as they were last year, and now they're in a potentially dominant car, any chance Red Bull had, it's very slim now. Uh, I know this is only one race, but like you said, Ferrari scored the maximum amount of points possible. Red Bull is going to have to fight like crazy for the rest of the season to make up those points. Um, and the other thing too was last season was there what only one uh, one two finish for any team, and it was McLaren. Yeah. So obviously it's one, race. but we've already matched that. Does that mean Ferrari's going to keep doing it? Does you know what? Obviously, they only did it because there was the the issue with Max. But there are so many. This puts them in such a deep hole to try to win a constructors' championship. Um, and for a drivers' championship, it'll be much easier. It's only one race. But for a constructors, not getting a single point when you are a team that should be fighting for 
the top spot is huge. It's an Yeah, and I think the other thing to consider about this whole uh, situation is, remember what I was saying earlier about Mercedes' problem being the porpoising issues? Mercedes was just as fast as Red Bull and Ferrari in Sector 2, where it was slower and windier. And there are plenty of tracks coming up that do not have as many fast straights and are slower and windier and more downforce-heavy tracks. So not only is Red Bull going to have to fight to get back to level pecking with uh, with uh, Ferrari, but they're also going to have to have some tracks where Mercedes is going to be like just as uh, potent of trying to hold them back as Ferrari is. Like I could honestly see the the qualifying for Monaco pole can go to really any one of six drivers at this point. Yeah, I, I, I'll stretch it and say any one of eight drivers. But we'll, we'll let you figure out who those other two drivers may be in my head. But oh, uh, we we know what two drivers those are in your head. <laughs> so, uh, Hunter, uh, you know, obviously that is all of our rankings for the teams. Now we got a couple of extra awards to give out. First up, Hunter, who is your driver of the day? Your personal choice for driver of the day? Uh, I'm going to go with Charles. I know he was the real life one, but uh, he fought with Max. He he had the lead. He earned the lead. Uh, yes, Max had a power issue at the end, so he couldn't truly fight with him. But uh, still, at the end of the day, Charles earned that spot. He qualified there, and then he earned it back during the race um, through different pit stops. Through, through different pit stops. So um, I'm going with Charles. Yeah, and I I'm going to give honorable mentions to K Mag. I think K Mag deserves an honorable mention. He definitely does. But my driver of the day is Valtteri Bottas. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. In a like, car, we didn't expect him to be in that spot in, and he, he he fought very well. So, yeah, I'm fine with that. Not only did he fight well, but he qualified well, had a terrible first lap, like falling to like 14th, and then clawed it all back. Yes. That is a driver of the day for me. That's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that one. I like that. On the flip side, who is your disappointment of the day? Um, I, I'm not going to go with either any of the three Red Bulls that, that didn't finish simply because that wasn't uh, their problem. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they wrecked. I can't be mad at them. Nothing, nothing they did was, I'm disappointed for them, obviously, but uh, my actual disappointment of the day, because they were in a car that I thought could maybe do it. Uh, I'm going to go with Mick Schumacher, uh, simply because he didn't score points. Um, he was very, very close. There's not really many other people that did anything that necessarily were, was actually disappointing. I'm disappointed in McLaren. But, like, based on how that car was, I can't be upset that those drivers finished where they did. Uh, so I'm going to go with Mick. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Lando Norris because as bad as McLaren was, Norris qualified way better and just fell all the way back. Okay, like, that's fair. Like, come on. You got to you gotta be better if you're fighting against, you know, uh, Aston Martin or Williams in that situation. And it just didn't work out. It, it was just terrible. Um, honestly, both the McLaren boys are kind of co-disappointments of the day, if you ask me. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, shame that Schumacher couldn't get in the points. Um, you know, it it was it was a close one. Overall, Hunter, what grade do you give the Bahrain Grand Prix? If again, a, if we're going with C is C is average, an average race. Yeah. No, I thought this was a really good race. Um, that battle between Max and Charles was was honestly worth watching all of it. I mean, there were a lot of there were a lot of dramatic events throughout the whole race, like the. Pierre's fire and then both Red Bulls dying, one dying on the last lap while battling with Lewis for the spot anyways. Um, 
I give this race, honestly, an A. I really enjoyed it. There were some races last year where I might have given an A, and I was like, yeah, really, that wasn't great. There's some races where I definitely was honest. Was, that wasn't a good race. This was a good race. I'm giving it an A. Yeah, and I'm going to give it a B plus. I think it was very solid. I think that um, I, I think that it is going to – it's only given us a hint of what could possibly come this season. So I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, overall for all of its action real quick hunter before we uh gear up and do some expectation predictions for the upcoming saudi arabian grand prix because that is coming up this weekend uh, i got some uh fun facts for you about this this race hunter okay first up this is the first race okay the first okay. uh well, okay how do i best word this this is the first first race of the season for Haas where both cars finish the race. That's true, because whenever we've gone to Australia, they uh, wreck each other or or the pit stop ruins it. And when we went last year here, uh, Nikita wrecked on the first lap. He wrecked on turn three. Yep. So this is the first time that Haas has brought both cars home, which is exciting. Wow. The other bit of trivia is very interesting. Because it okay. could have implications on what the championship could look like. Oh, yes. I think I know what it is, but go ahead. For the past five seasons, whoever has won the first race of the year has gone on to come in second in the World Drivers Championship. Hmm. Now, what about constructors, though? Because Mercedes did win it last year and then won constructors. No, no. This is individual. This is just drivers championship. Okay, just drivers. Okay. And do you want to know what? I, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, there's a part two. Okay. The driver who crossed the line second uh-huh. in the first race of the season, the past five seasons, yes. has won the drivers' championship. Yes, that's true. Because for the past, so when we still went to when we still went to Australia, Valtteri Bottas would win the race, and then Lewis would come in second. Yes, um, and then last year, obviously Max lost out. Uh, so wow, okay, yeah, I'm, I. So your prediction of. Uh, of um, why do I keep forgetting his name? I'm sorry. Well, well, Carlos. Yes. So your prediction of Carlos being better than Charles will come true then. Uh, apparently, although my prediction of Lewis Hamilton winning his eighth will not come true if that's the case. Well, hold on. No, because then this was a little tidbit of information I was going to tell you. Uh, last time, I don't know if it was last time, but um, there was one other time where Lewis, in the very first race of the season, lost, came in third to two Ferraris. Would you like to know what what he did at the end of that season? Would you like to know if there was a famous radio call about where's Glock? Yeah, was that was that was that when he won uh, his first title? Yes. So wouldn't it be crazy? Wouldn't it be a twist of fate, some 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 beautiful Greek tragic writing that Lewis Hamilton wins his final championship the seat at the end of the season the same way he started and won his first championship. Yeah, well, I can tell you this right now. If there's ever a radio call about Albon going slow, okay, I will, I will give you my firstborn child, okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that that he lost the two Ferraris in 2008 when he won his first one, and he just lost the two Ferraris in 2022 when he's when he's looking to win his eighth and most likely final. Oh my gosh! All right, well, let's not get caught up in all of the uh, all the madness that occurred in years past <laughs> and let's get uh, to talking real quick about the upcoming Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Uh, Hunter, do you have the official name in front of you by chance or, or um, not? Yet? I do not. I, I, I will pull it up for you. 
but the internet here is quite slow. So give me un momento, please. Un momento, por favor, is the request. I have it for you, by the way. Uh, it is. Um, I, 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 I just have it for you. It's very simple. Okay. Is it just simply the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix? It is the Formula One STC Saudi Arabian Grand Prix 2022. Awesome. Great. Good. Yeah. Very, very straightforward. Um, that is this coming weekend. Looks like we, uh, at least entire compounds are going to have the middle set, the C2, 3, and 4. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how this race uh, occurs because this race is kind of similar to Bahrain in some aspects. And, of course, the last time we were here, we saw a lot of sparks flying. So, Hunter, real quick, we'll talk a little bit about what type of uh, expectation or goal uh, some of these teams should have coming into this race. Very similar to what we did last year, basically just kind of a benchmark of what needs to happen in order for the team to be satisfied with the weekend. So we will run through the same way we did for the results. Starting with Ferrari, what type of expectation should they be setting for this weekend? Uh, no worse than fourth. Uh, for either of the drivers. That's that's the only expectation I'll give for them. No worse than fourth when they cross the finish line. Yeah, I mean, we've you're looking at a track that is fast in the desert. It's got some intricate corners that people have to maneuver in before. I mean, Ferrari's performance last year wasn't great, but this is, I mean, honestly, the past performances in a new era, we kind of have to just throw everything away. Um, I would agree with that. I think I think top four for both drivers is pretty fair. Um, if the Red Bulls don't break down, I think that uh, is probably doable for them for for Ferrari. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, you know, another high finish, keep the pressure on, and and um, you know take uh, take the fight to Red Bull. Mercedes, on the other hand, what type of expectations do you have? Um, I'm going to say no worse than sixth. Just we're we're going to assume that the top what should be top three teams are all running and healthy. I'm saying a decent weekend for Mercedes in this era so far, no worse than six. I think that this is a bad race for Mercedes. Their issues are the fact that they have uh, problems in fast conditions with uh, high-speed corners and and straights with the porpoising. I think this could be a problem track for them. Honestly, I think if they both come out of this... Um, let me let me be a little bold about this. If they both come out of this with points, I think that's a happy weekend for them. But I okay, don't. Then I, I, yeah. I mean, I like to hear it. I, it's, I'm fine with hearing that. As it's a good, it's a good take. Yeah, honestly, honestly. Yeah, they're gonna have Haas that's gonna be beating up on them. They're gonna have Alfa Romeo trying to beat up on them. Uh, we will see what George does. Honestly, like Lewis will probably get top five regardless because it's Lewis. I I have fear that George might fumble the bag on this one. He could, but we don't know. We we gotta see what what the kids made of. Yeah. Now, what are your expectations for K Mag and Schumacher coming into this? What are your um, expectations for Haas? Based off how that car looked last week, um, I think another fifth place would be phenomenal. But uh, like I said, at the top, if what the should be top three teams finish, and they all finish as the top three, that means best case scenario seventh again, which is where it looked like he was going to be finishing. So I'm going to say double points finish for Haas would be phenomenal. Let's get Mick those first points of the career. Yeah, I agree with that. This is a track that Mick had issues with last year, um, you know, crashing out. And this was the only track where Haas had a double DNF at it, during every race last season. So uh, because of that, I think that it's a fair expectation for a double points finish based on how the performance in Bahrain was, um, you know, but obviously we'll see what teams bring uh, 
bring to fight with. Alfa Romeo, do you think Alfa Romeo is going to have a similar situation to Bahrain? Uh, yeah, I think a double points finish will be their target. Um, pro- well, obviously for the rest of the season, if they, based on that first race, they're probably going to shoot for double points finishes. But on personal notes, I'm going to say uh, definitely want to see Valtteri out-qualify Mercedes again, and I want to see uh, Joe finish in qualifying a little bit higher. Um, but as a team, double points finish when they cross the checkered. Yeah, I think a, a double Q3 appearance would be really cool. I think that might be a bit too uh, strong of an expectation for Joe at this point in his career. I will say if Valtteri Botas uh, is the best of the rest, considering the top three teams are separate uh, when it comes to qualifying or the race, I think either one is a uh, a welcomed result for the Alfa Romeo squad. Alpine is the next team up. What do you think about Alpine's chances in Saudi Arabia? Uh, they almost got a podium here last year. Yes, they did. But there was also a lot of drama and a lot of cars wrecking. Um, but still, I can't take it away from them because they were in the, the correct spot at the right time. Um, so I'm going to say for sure they should be scoring a double points finish. Um, I, I I don't know. It's so hard with because it's such a new season and we truly didn't get the – we lost both Red Bulls. We lost Pierre. Um, I, I think Alpine, a great weekend for them will be a double points finish. I think a realistic weekend for them is is one of them scores points. Uh, you know what? I, I'd have to agree with you again, Hunter. I think you're getting this pretty spot on. Um, Alpine is going to have a lot more to deal with if we have a better reliability performance out of the Red Bulls at the front. And because of that, you know, uh, a single driver in the points would be great. Um, you know, anything more is obviously welcomed, but I think that's kind of the baseline of what they need to do in order to kind of maintain what they are trying to do at the very least of climbing up the constructors ranks um and honestly hunter if i could jump ahead a little bit uh next team up alpha towery they're kind of in the same boat i think a single uh you know a points finish for one of them would be fantastic a double points finish would be uh well a single points finish would be kind of like the baseline a double points finish would be fantastic um and you know obviously you know pierre finishing the race yuki getting points again um you know, that's that's like the stretch goal. But for both Alpine and Alpha Tauri, I think, you know, getting a driver in the points um, and kind of like locking it down in there, kind of holding off uh, the likes of the other drivers, you know, teammate. That is uh, kind of the goal for the weekend. See, that's where we differ. Um, I don't think Alpha Tauri deserves to be in sixth place at all right now. Um, I think realistically they should maybe be point wise. They should maybe either be the team that's actually in fourth or potentially even third. Um, Pierre was run, running great. Uh, Yuki was running perfectly fine. Um, I, I, I think that this team, it's its very different to Alpine, where um, they have two drivers who at, this, at these stages in their careers are doing well enough in a car that was designed well enough to have finished where it did, right? Um, the AlphaTauri, I don't think, finished where it should have, uh, to be completely honest. So I think a baseline weekend for them is double points. Um, I think a great weekend for them is one of the drivers gets top six or top five. Um, Now, of course, I'm probably being a little bit too harsh on them, maybe, maybe too high of expectations, but I truly believe based off preseason testing and based off of how the first race was going before reliability issues happened, that they're a team that should be, if if our big three for the best of the rest, are going to be Haas, Alfa Romeo, and Alfa Tauri. I, I honestly think that that could be a real situation. So I don't think that they should be maybe scoring one point. I think they have to be scoring double points. Got you. Okay. I mean, 
that that's a fair point. But I mean, the only thing I'm thinking about is the fact that if the Red Bulls and Pierre finished the race, Yuki would have been outside the points. But obviously, you know, they got to push to uh, have themselves be more dominant than uh, the teams around them. And that would be part of it. Uh, up next would be Aston Martin. Hunter, what are your what are your expectations and what does Aston Martin need to do to feel, you know, at least happy with the performance of the weekend? Um, well, they should have Sebastian Vettel back, um, I believe, uh, depending on when his isolation started and how many negative tests he he confirms with before uh, the weekend starts. If not, they'll have Nico again. Um, not the worst thing in the world. He's a pretty good super sub. But obviously, there's a newer car, and he's definitely—I won't say out of shape, but he's out of—he's—he's he's less in shape than Vettel is uh, when it comes to racing a, a Formula One car. So I think if they get Vettel back, and they still have Lance, obviously, um, I think they'll do fine. But I don't know it. Uh, the car—we've seen Lance can have speed at certain tracks, right? We've seen Lance can do well. Um, the car just didn't look like it was anything spectacular, you know. So. I'm expecting them to do what Alfa Romeo did last year and be right there. Somebody, enough people mess up, they might steal a point or two. But I, I'm seeing them as the one of the front teams to not score points, if that makes sense, uh, just outside the, the bubble. So I'm expecting them to finish right around there, right outside the points. Yeah, my expectations for them is that, I mean, you know, you got to, it, it's a long season. Okay, 23 races is a long season. Most of any season in Formula One history. And I think uh, for them, they got to be making steps forward. And the next most logical step is to get somebody into Q2. My God. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. get it. I get it. Nico Hulkenberg was doing the car. But Lance Stroll out, out in Q1, 19th. I mean, Daniel Ricciardo was also there. But, like, that's another issue. Uh, we got to get this Aston Martin into Q2 if they, if they want to play that role of being there. Exactly. But that is that is my thoughts for uh, for Aston Martin Williams. What are your thoughts about what Williams needs to do uh, this weekend? Have Ooh, a good weekend. They, they need to do. They need to have a better race pace. Um, I think that Williams definitely has designed a car based off preseason testing, based off of even practices during Bahrain. Um, I think they've designed a car that, at the very least, should be fighting for tenth. Right. So that's bare minimum. Um, so I'm going to say a good weekend for them is. Grab some points, get the ball rolling for the season. Uh, it's race two. We've still got 20, 21 more races after this one, right? So steal a point. I don't want to say steal because I think they've designed a car that actually deserves points. Um, get 10 at bare minimum. Get 10. Uh, so I, I think that they have a car that can do that. Um, I think Albon is probably the one to do it. He'll probably be the heavy lifter of the season. No offense to Nicholas, but I mean, we've been talking about this guy for three years now, I believe. And uh, he's he's not really done anything exciting. Uh, so Alex Albon is definitely going to be the, the heavy point scorer for Williams this year. I think he can get a point, and that'll be the goal for them this weekend is to get their first point of the season. Yeah, my I'm going to say this. What needs to happen for the team to feel happy and confident about what's going on and about their growth going forward? Nicholas Latifi needs to get closer to Alex Albon. After the safety car restart, there was seven or eight laps in Bahrain, and Nicholas Latifi was like seven to eight seconds off of Albon within those laps. That is atrocious. Yeah, that's horrible. 
That's absolutely based off yeah. of yeah, even Carr's teammates. That's horrible. Yeah, um, Nicholas Latifi. Honestly, Alexander Albon last week. I think I think if he replicates and just copies and pastes what he did last week, perfectly fine. Because I'm not too confident about Williams' performance against the rest of the field. Not that they made a bad car, just everyone else made a better car, and. For me, Nicholas needs to be closer to Albon if he continues to be away. Like, I get it. He brings a lot of money. Like, his dad runs, like, a a huge, like, food distribution plant in Canada. I get it. But I don't think that he is going to have a job in Formula One if this is the standard for the season. He's just not. His contract's up at the end of the season. That's a little preview to to a contract show later on this year. But, my God, does he need to... To get closer to Albon, if he if he beats Albon on track and Albon does not have any technical issues, I would give Nicholas all the credit in the world, and that's that, that's what needs to happen. He needs to be he needs to be next to Albon in position at the very least. I yeah, I mean I think that's probably a fair assessment. I he yeah, it's just he's it's rough. It's rough. He he doesn't do well enough. Yeah, that's that's basically the summary. He just doesn't do well enough. <laughs> Uh, I mean, okay. This is going to be a bit difficult. What are your expectations for McLaren coming into this? What do they I need to do? I don't know. Um, because we didn't get to see much in preseason testing. Like I said, I wasn't expecting much much last week, but I wasn't expecting it to be that bad. Um, uh, now that now that my my expectations of them are, are down in the gutter, uh, I want them to have a great weekend. Now, this is me selling teams short, and I hope I am selling them short. But for a great weekend for them, I want one of the cars to make. I want both cars in Q two, and I want at least one of the cars finishing bare minimum farthest back twelve. Um, I know that's those are horrible goals, but based off of the fact that Ricardo didn't get any testing, the car looked horrible in Bahrain. Both in, both drivers in Q two would be great, and at least one of them finishing bare minimum twelve will be a win for me in in the way the season started for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am going to agree with the Q2 part. I think that getting both cars in the Q2 is is a uh, like a mandatory ask. I think the other thing is that they need to try to get a point. They need to try to sneak. Oh, yeah, I would love I'd love for them to get a point. I'm just saying based. I'm being super. I mean, hypercritical of them right now based off of last week's result and the way preseason testing went. Uh, a point for them would be an A plus weekend based off the way the season started, but realistically, I'm I'm gonna assume twelfth is gonna be their max. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. If if McLaren and Zach Brown want to act like they're one of the big boys and one of the one of the guys, you know, one of the dudes at the top, they have to rebound quickly and effectively. That's about all I can say. They need to yeah. come back with a vengeance, and they need to be a solid. Uh, you know, a midfield team quickly. Otherwise, they're going to be stuck down there with Aston Martin and Williams and doing nothing this season, and it's going to be ugly. Yeah, it, it won't be great. Nope, not at all. Uh, and finally, Red Bull. Obviously, we had them last because they technically are last, but what are your expectations for Red Bull? Obviously, it is much greater than what happened this past weekend. Well, uh, fooled me once, shame on you. Fooled me two times, can't put the blame on you. Uh, so oh, fool me three times. Yeah, we won't. We won't do the right. But um, load the chopper, let it rain on you. Yeah. Okay. Well, he said it. Yeah. Uh, Rebel Racing should hopefully have learned from their mistake 
they should hopefully know how to run the car at low fuel now. Um, with that being said, I think there's a team that's going to be the same uh, goal as I gave Ferrari. No worse than four. Um, like you said, this is a track that most likely will not favor Mercedes. So therefore, the top two teams should be Red Bull and Ferrari. Assuming they make it through the whole race, no worse than four. Um, I'm going to say that would be a good weekend for them. A great weekend for them. They win the race. Uh, can they do it? I don't know because Ferrari looked amazing. So obviously race strategy, we know Max is quite the fighter. And we know Sergio can also race. But based off the first race and based off the first race alone, it looks like it's going to be between Charles and Max and Checo and Carlos. Um, so I think great weekend for Red Bull is Max wins and and Carlos, or not Carlos, sorry, Sergio does no worse than fourth. Um, but you can flip the order. doesn't matter. Don't do worse than fourth. You need to get every single point you possibly can for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think the only thing I might add is that maybe like you really have to put the pressure on and be like, listen, double podium or bust, but top four should be an absolute shoe in. And if they don't get a uh, double top four, Oh my God, Christian Horner is going to be recreating Toto Wolf's headphone smash. Well, from last so yeah, season. It, it, he might, Yeah, he, uh, he just might, but yeah, obviously a much better result than this past weekend for Red Bull this upcoming weekend at, the uh saudi arabian grand prix hunter well that was that was race one race one is in the books 22 to go we're gonna have to uh <laughs> we're gonna have to see how the season shakes up uh i mean it's it's drastically different than last season the regulations are doing you know things that are kind of like what uh you know we were expecting them to do so we'll see if that continues to be the case or if some of the testing and research during the course of the season starts to eat away at that a little bit. In the meantime, Ferrari, number one, and, I mean, Mercedes right behind them, but we'll see uh, what happens when Red Bull actually gets to finish a race. Beyond that, Hunter, anything you have to say before we leave and return next week for a grading of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix? No, not much. I'm just, I'm excited to watch again. I'm just happy for the ones back on TV. Yes, well, hopefully you can get it from, oh, actually, wait a minute. I, okay, hold on. First off, I was going to say, I hope you can get it from your uh, from your hotel room that you're going to be staying in this past or this coming weekend. But I have another bone to pick that I'm okay. upset about real quick. Yeah. So, yeah. Hunter, how do you watch the Formula One race uh, on ESPN on TV? And then if, if not there on ESPN app. OK, I watch them using F1 TV. OK, OK. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's the live one or whether I'm watching a replay, because I often have to watch replays because. I have like different work stuff that conflicts yeah. with the actual start times. Yeah. So I, so I, you know, turn off my phone for the day, do my work, come home, you know, yeah. make dinner and watch the race while I'm eating dinner. I got duped okay. by F1 TV. I am so upset. Why? Did you watch the, did you watch the short one again? No, no, I did not watch the short one again. No. Okay. <laughs> That's a mistake. You only make once. Okay. So I log on, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So I log on. All right. And I hop into the race and I play it and it starts up and the commentators are the same commentators from preseason or, or uh, practice one and two, which is like, uh, uh, like, it's, it's, no, 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 it's, it's, no, 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 it's, 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 no, no, it wasn't them. It was, um, like Palmer, uh, the former F1 driver that raced for a little bit and like some other random guy. Okay. Some other random oh, dude. Okay. 
Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what? what where's where's my where's my where's, Crofty? Where's Crofty? Yeah. Where, where's Crofty? Where's where's Martin Brundle? Like, I'm upset. But I was like, oh, well, I guess they must have changed it. And I got I was like sad. And, you know, I was like, OK, whatever. I was watching the race and all that good stuff. Um, And I watch the race. I see the end of the race, all that good stuff. And then they get to the podium interviews and Martin Brundle still doing the podium interviews. So I'm like, OK, did they just do the whole race without Crofty? Yeah, it'll get there. It'll get there. So I'm like, oh, what the heck? That's so weird. Okay, whatever. And then, you know, the next morning I wake up, I'm scrolling through TikTok, and someone was like, yo, what the heck happened to to Crofty and Martin Brundle? And, like, people in the comments were like, oh, you had to switch it to international mode. Uh Oh, Because the default feed is the, like, UK feed or whatever now. Uh-huh. And the like Sky Sports Martin Brundle, you know, David Crofty one is the international one now. Oh, so I literally open up like the app and go to it. And sure enough, it works. Ah, oh, let me tell you, I went back. OK, and rewatched the like Red Bull dying situation. Yes. OK, with Crofty's commentary. Yeah. I was so upset. I did not go back and, and, and listen to him, you know, give us five red lights and away we go. Yep. Because I am so upset that I, I it was, it, it didn't happen. It was missed. I know I didn't watch it live in the first place, but. But still, you, 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 you still missed on. That's so weird. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I am so upset at that. I am so upset. Either way, I know now how to get, how to get Crofty back. They, they need to, Crofty, like. When Crofty dies, he's relieved of duties, okay? He's not allowed to retire. He's just not. All right. All he's, right. He's too good at his job. He is very good. He does do a great job. And at the end, he always makes the end of the race very exciting, even if it's not. Yes. Which, this season, we may not need as much, but it was helpful. It was very much helpful. Either way, <laughs> Hunter, hope you have fun watching it this weekend. I know I will. Uh, as we, you know, get into the second race of the Formula One season to see if whether or not Ferrari is going to be able to maintain this or if Red Bull or even Mercedes can fight back. So that will be decided over the next 22 races. Until next time, if you have any questions or comments or anything you want us to talk about on the show, make sure to send us a message to our mailbag off the pit wall at gmail.com. And until next time, my name's Dan Zalewski. I'm Hunter Connolly. And you've been listening to Off the Pit Wall, an American F1 podcast. Off the Pit Wall is produced by Dan Zaleski with Kalen Wolfskill and Hunter Conley. Theme music by Carson Bispels. Edited by Kyle Kratzer. A Ruby Media Production.